And thank you all for coming uh, this morning. We're going to have an abbreviated sermon, going to have an abbreviated message, but we are going to have a message. Singing is wonderful, but there's no substitute for the Word of God. Amen. And so that, this morning we want to talk about why Christ came. The title of the cantata was What Christmas Really Means. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is what does Christmas really mean? Why did the Lord Jesus come? Next week we're going to talk about how as we talk about the virgin birth, which is so very important that we understand the necessity of the virgin birth. But this morning I want to remind you that Christ came. He came for a specific reason. He came according to John 3.16, and I'm just going to jump right into why he came. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Christ came because God loves you. Christ came because he desires for you to have eternal life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, verse 8 says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You talk about amazing grace. You talk about glorious, wonderful love. It's what God has for each and every one of us. 1 John four nineteen tells us that we love God because he first loved us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, that's love. That's agape love. Luke 2, verse 14. When the angels came and declared the purpose of Christ's coming, they made it clear, peace on earth, or glory to the God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You have to understand that man based on his own will, is an enemy with God. But from God's perspective, eternal life, salvation, is offered through Christ Jesus to a world that's lost, to a world that rejects. Our Savior came into such a world in order to purchase our redemption. Why did he come? From Genesis to Revelation. God's Word speaks of the love of God and His desire to fellowship with His creation. You understand, originally, man was created in order for God to have fellowship with him. That's the reason man was created. God desired to have fellowship with His creation. The reason God has made you a new creation is because he desires to have fellowship with you. It's all about his love. It's all about his forgiveness. It's all about his desire to know you. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Not only does God invite you to know him, he desires to know you. What a loving God we have. While we were yet sinners, Christ commendeth his love. Us. 
God's word tells us in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? Aren't you glad that that's not where it finishes? For the wages of sin is death because every one of us are sinners. Every one of us would be in pretty dire straits if it stopped there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to tell you something, though. We need to understand this. Biblical history not only demonstrates and shows God's love, but God even goes to greater lengths. God even goes to greater description to make sure we understand that he also hates sin. God is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. But understand this. He is also a God of wrath. He is a God of judgment. Doesn't it irk you when people talk about, well, God is love, as if that's all He is? Folks, He is so much more than that. But it's because He's a God of righteousness, He is a God of holiness, that He demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did Christ come? What is the reason for this season? Luke 19.10 tells us that Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. You realize that that word that is neuter? That Christ came to seek and to save, to restore something that had been lost? Now we take that verse sometime and we go, me, 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 and he did. He came to save you. But we need to understand there's a huge picture there in that one verse. That Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And to get the answer, you've got to go all the way back to the garden. And understand that perfect relationship with our triune God was lost back there. When God the Creator desired fellowship with His creation, with man, and God turned over to Adam dominion of this planet, due to Adam's sin, that dominion was forfeited it was lost. Satan is the God of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ, he came to seek and to save that which the first Adam had forfeited. That first Adam had lost. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 says, In Adam we all die. In Adam we all die, but in Christ we're all made alive. Well, verse 22 anyway, Tim. You know what verse 43 says? 
Verse 43, put verse 43. Or 44. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me, I'll turn to it here. What I get for trying to hurry. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. Look over at verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, not the second Adam, but he was the second Adam because there's not been another one. But he's the last Adam, which signifies there won't be another one. You know why? Because there's not a need for there to be. This one, this last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whose birth we celebrate, and I hope you do every day, just as you celebrate his resurrection, you celebrate his crucifixion every single day of your life. But the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. By the first Adam, death came. By the last Adam comes life. That's the reason he came. Christ Jesus came, God incarnate, sinless, willing to take the debt upon himself that you owed. I love that saying, the Son of God became the Son of Man in order for the sons of men to become the sons of God. Can I say that again? The Son of God became the Son of Man in order for the sons of men to become the sons of God. Wow. What love. What sacrifice. What willingness that God in the flesh So the first reason he came is because he loves you. The second reason he came was in order to become sin for you. Isn't that something? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him, why did Christ come? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why I encourage you to become in Christ. And the way you do that is by faith, believing that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. There's no other way to go from being in Adam to being in Christ. See, We need to understand what salvation is. You need to understand the reason we are so strongly, strongly believe in eternal security that once you're saved, you're always saved. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God is that you go from being in Adam, lost, condemned, undone. The moment you believe, the work of God is to make a new creation out of you and it places you in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, makes you a new creation and you are saved for all eternity. Past, present, and future sins, folks. That is the full effectiveness of the one whose birth we celebrate this time of year. It became sin for you. And you need to understand 
that he willingly gave up his life. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 17, verse 18. John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Nowhere is that more clearly seen than in Matthew 27. Look at Matthew 27. Talk about power. Talk about purpose. Look at Matthew 27. Look at verse 50. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, yielded up his spirit. He willingly, with his own power, gave his life. It was a conscious decision. It was something he did when he gave up his life. And you know what he cried with a loud voice, by the way? Are you sitting down? I like saying that. I don't know why. But... It is finished. That's what he cried with a loud voice. It is finished. And you know why he cried with a loud voice? You know why he cried with a loud voice? It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And do you know what they do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on that particular Passover, which was a high Sabbath? They blow the shofar horn. They blow it loudly so that everyone would know this is the moment you kill the sacrificial lamb as they celebrate Passover. When he cried with a loud voice, it is finished. That horn was blaring. And he wanted to make sure you heard it. It is finished. Price paid. Debt settled. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Third reason Christ came was according to Scripture. According to Scripture. God's Word said He was going to. And, you know, and if, if you want to be taken seriously, and if you say something, you better do it, right? Isaiah 7 Verse 14, it said he was going to be born of a virgin, and he was. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 talks about how the government is going to be upon his shoulders. See, the Bible said he's coming. Every one of the prophets talked about the Messiah and the fact that he was going to be born, how he was going to be born, where he was going to be born. So his word was at stake. What his birth does gives credence, gives validity to the scriptures. All prophecies fulfill concerning his first advent, without exception. You know what I call that? A miracle. I call that a miracle because it is 
people say, well, that's, that's just an old fable. There's just, you know, you really can't prove that that happened. Well, first of all, do you know you can't prove that Washington crossed the Delaware? How many of you were here when George Washington crossed the Delaware? You can't prove that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You can't prove any of that. But we accept it as true. How? By faith. We believe the historians. They seem to be credible. I'm telling you, there is no one more credible to me than the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit writes on the hearts of men and has men write down these truths, I believe it. Do you know the thing that has the most proof historically than anything else? The resurrection. The resurrection. So why don't people believe it? That we serve a risen Savior. Unfortunately, they don't. But we accept by faith history from credible sources and there are none more credible than those that were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. He came because He loves you. He came to be made sin for you. He came because His Word was at stake and His Word said it. And He's true to His Word. And the fourth and final reason is so that he could be the he could be just and the justifier. Look at Romans chapter three. You say, wait a minute, Romans three is not a Christmas scripture passage. Romans chapter three. Look at verse twenty six. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. See, it's God's desire to be just and the justifier. You realize that you can't justify the guilty? If you desire to be just, you can't justify the guilty. You can't make guilty just. Does that make sense? You can't. So, so you see the dilemma? Is God a just God? Absolutely. And folks, I'm telling you, because He is a just God, there is a payday someday. Because God is a just God, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess to the glory of the Father. That's, he is a just God. And that should cause brave men to tremble. i got news for you. The fact that God's a just man, that should cause brave men to tremble. It's a hopeless situation. God is just. You're guilty. On what basis 
On what basis could God do what He says He desires to do to be just, knowing you're a sinner, and justify you, make you righteous, declare you, because that's what justification means, declare you righteous. On what basis, God, God, you're holy, you're righteous, but you can't be just and justify all these people. Because they're all sinners. That's what, look at verse 23 of, of Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Talk about dire straits. There's only one way. Only one way. It's on the basis that the only begotten Son of God, virgin born, the only one qualified, as we're going to see next week as we talk about the virgin birth. The only one qualified to pay the debt that you owe. The only one who can stamp satisfied, debt satisfied, that can declare you justified is because Christ Jesus paid the debt. You owed. You need to understand. You have not been pardoned. There's not a single person here who's been pardoned, based on the technical technical definition of pardon. A pardon is a president or a or a governor or someone sees someone and goes, you know, Aaron's committed this terrible crime. That's what you get sitting in the front row. Aaron has committed this terrible crime, but he's such a nice guy. He's such a good eye doctor. I mean, he just serves so many people. Okay, I'm going to pardon him for his sin. That's not what happened. It's not what God does. You are not pardoned. Aaron stands righteous in Christ because Christ took upon him his sin. Because he is in Christ. Because you are in Christ. None of you are pardoned. Pardon insinuates that your debt really hasn't been paid. But your debt has been paid in full by Christ on Calvary's cross. He was delivered for our offenses. He was delivered for our offenses. And raised again. For our justification. There's that word again. The cross and the empty tomb. If you've never by faith trusted. That Christ did those. Went to the cross. Came out of the tomb on your behalf. Let me recommend that you do that. When you stop and think of why Christ came. Don't tell me we shouldn't celebrate this season. Don't tell me we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Don't tell me that we shouldn't make a big deal about the baby in the manger. Because what that baby in the manger displays, tells us, is that the cross is coming. And I say we celebrate both. 
We celebrate the baby in the manger, but we point a lost world to the cross. If all we do is talk about that sweet baby in the manger that shepherds didn't guard, thank you, Courtney. If that's all we tell people, then no, we don't celebrate that. We're, we're only telling half, half part of the story. We've got to finish it to talk about why Christ came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You want everlasting life? It's through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we bow in adoration. We humbly bow before you acknowledging that we stand perfect in Christ. Recognizing that it's not because of our own deeds, our own accomplishments, our own works, but because of what Christ did on Calvary's cross. The debt that he paid, the wages of sin is death in Christ. Lord Jesus, you paid that debt on my behalf, on our behalf. So Father, we celebrate that birth of our Savior. Father, we celebrate the life of our Savior. We celebrate the death the resurrection and we celebrate the fact that he's coming again father may we be bold in our witness may we be strong in our stance to preach the gospel of the grace of God to a world that so desperately needs to hear father I pray this morning that every single person here knows you by faith, they have trusted you as Savior. Father, in case there's someone here this morning that's never trusted, I pray in the quietness of this moment that the Holy Spirit will just move on their heart and this will be the moment they'll realize through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit, that these words are true from your word and that the only way to be saved is by faith in Christ Jesus. May they believe that he died for them, that he was buried for them, and that he rose again for them. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Father, may this be the moment that they understand the necessity of being made a new creation, and that is only done by believing in Christ. And Father, may the rest of us who know you, may we be serious about serving you and telling a world that Jesus saves. We pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.